The high priest, Jesus Christ, as we know and understand, as we've seen in the scripture, is our source and only source of salvation. There is no other way to be saved except by faith in Jesus Christ and him alone. It's not negotiable. If it's negotiable in your mind, I'd love to spend time with you. Because I want to take you through the scripture to help you understand that solid foundation. We can be varied on other things, but that is one of those core things you cannot be negotiating with. And you must have that solid in your your life. If you don't, it's one of two reasons. A, you've been deceived by false teaching out there and you're trying to get your mind because you're confused. You are confused if you don't believe Jesus Christ is the only way. But or you're not saved and you're at the right place as well because today's the day of salvation. Once you hear the word of God, God is going to touch your heart in a way that you cannot ignore. You're the pounding of the heart. He's going to speak to your mind. Just freely give your life over to Jesus Christ. Surrender all and be saved today. But the high priest, Jesus Christ, is our source of salvation experience for those who are willing to live obediently. The writer here to the believers in uh, uh, the Hebrew believers here speak of all the sources that flow from Christ's priestly act, these priestly activities and to make Christian life of obedience possible. Now, whatever one's suffering you are experiencing today, and we all suffer, your high priest understands the suffering you're going through. He sympathizes with you this day and makes available his mercy and his grace, which are needed so desperately for us through those times of suffering, to help us to endure it to success, to successfully walk us through maybe that dark valley or that deep grief, or depression. Fill in the blank where you are sitting there today. Now some of you are saying, I'm actually doing really great, and everything's wonderful and peachy, and everything is exactly the way I want my life, and I haven't had any suffering. Well, you should be praising God that at this time in your life, you're not suffering. But we'll talk to you next week. (laughs) Because you never know when things are allowed to hit your life as a child of God, which is all Father filtered, that he allows in your life to refine you, to draw you close to him, and and you have to understand these things. And we're here to help you through and by the word of God. And as the writer will later say in chapter 7 of Hebrews, verse 25, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Oh, what a comforting word. That's a promise. And if you haven't circled that and put a P in front of it as a God's promise that he is going to intercede for you as a child of God, please do so, or at least when we get to chapter 7, verse 25. Now, with this glorious understanding, and as we can continue to go through that chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5, Christ was designated, if you notice and remembered in verse 10, that called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, we first see Melchizedek in the Bible in Genesis chapter 14, verse 18. 
We see that Melchizedek, whose name means king of righteousness, was a king of Solomon, or Jerusalem, and priest of the Most High God. And we see that not only here in Genesis chapter 14, but also in Psalm 110.4, and then of course here in Hebrews chapter 5, and then chapter 6 through 7. Now, Melchizedek's sudden appearance and disappearance in the book of Genesis is somewhat mysterious for many. Melchizedek and Abraham first met there here after Abraham's defeat of the the, uh, Kandorlomer and his three allies there in Genesis. And after that, we see that God brought Abraham in front of this Melchizedek, who was a high priest and a king, and he's the only one in Scripture that has both of those titles. Melchizedek presented bread and wine to Abraham with his weary men, demonstrating a friendship with him. And he bestowed a blessing upon Abraham in the name of El Elon, meaning God Most High. And praise God for giving Abraham a victory over his enemies. And you see that in verses 18 through 20 there of chapter 14 in Genesis. Now, Abraham presented in response to Melchizedek a tithe, a tenth of, his, of, the, of, the, of the spoils or of his, of his earnings. And he presented all the items he had gathered from that. And by this act, Abraham is demonstrating and indicating that he recognized Melchizedek as a priest who ranked higher spiritually than himself. And this is where we see the establishment of the tithing to the high priest. It didn't come when Moses in the law. Tithing comes before the law. It was established by God and we see it demonstrated here. Then a thousand years later we see in scripture we get to Psalm 110 verse 4. A thousand years later and this Melchizedek pops back up in the scripture in the messianic psalm written by David and also referenced in Matthew 22:43. And it says, "You are a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek." Speaking of the messianic or the future Messiah would be the whole the high the great high priest as we studied earlier in uh, in Hebrews. Melchizedek is presented as a type of Christ. And this theme is repeated in the book of Hebrews as we get to it today. And where both Melchizedek and Christ are considered the kings of righteousness and peace. And the reason why I mention this today is by citing Melchizedek and his unique priestlyhood as a type of Or the writer shows that Christ's new priesthood is superior to the Levitical order and priesthood that was established there with Aaron and his family. We see that we will get to uh, Hebrews chapter 7 verses 1 through 10. We'll get into more of that obviously later. But this is where we are today. 700 years after the psalm, 
we see here in the book of Hebrews mentioned again, referencing back to Psalm and the fact that if you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. We saw that in verse 6 last week. Now, of all of this, some propose that Melchizedek was actually the pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. We call a Christophany in the Old Testament. And you can settle that however you would like. I lean to believe he was a Christophany, a pre-incarnation of uh, incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Now today we will see that the writer here had barely begun his thoughts of writing to these believers in Hebrews, the Hebrew believers, and as he gets there he goes, you know, I can't really explain this thing about the, the, uh, the order of Melchizedek and Aaron and the priestly before the law. This is too complicated for you. I'm just going to hold for a minute and let me explain something to you in the writing here, which we will see the third warning by the writer to the Hebrews of someone who is drifting away from the faith, someone who is backsliding. If you've been watching and listening for the beginning of Hebrews, we've already covered two of them. If you remember, we saw spiritual immaturity coming into one's life become spiritually sluggish in what they believe when, they, we, when we saw back in chapter 2, verse 1, a drifting from the word of God. That is a very bad sign if you're drifting from the Word of God. I don't really need to hear the Word of God. I don't want to study the Word of God. I don't need to have a normal daily diet of the Word of God. If that's speaking of you, you're drifting. If you used to love the Word of God, a person who is saved, the, none of the key indications of someone who is saved, they desire to know more about Jesus. They, you'll gobble up. I remember reading for hours a day, learning something that was never taught to me my whole life when I got saved at 27. Nothing. So all this was new. I couldn't put the Bible down day after day after week after week, month after month, because I wanted to hear the truth that was never taught to me. And like everyone, in all their walks, your testimony is that you've done that for years, and all of a sudden, eh, you know, I don't read it every day. If it works out, I'll, I'll read it. And then it drifts even a little bit further to a point where you're like, yeah, I, I read it on Sunday. I sit back, I listen. That's not reading. That's just listening. You're not studying, you're just listening. It's all passive. It's once in a while. Those are not good signs of maturing in your faith. But we want to encourage you. Get back to your first love. Go back to when you first got saved, when you were just absorbed completely in the Word of God and wanting to learn and grow in understanding. Then we saw in chapter 3, verse 8, a hardening of heart. And that's a result from doubting the Word of God. Not only do you stop drifting away and not wanting to listen to it, but you start doubting. Well, I'm not sure if I really believe that in the Word of God. Those are very bad signs that you're not maturing in your faith. You're actually backsliding and, you do, and drifting away. You don't even know it. And you'll start questioning and doubting 
what it is. We're to study, and if we don't understand it, we study more. And then we could look and ask someone who's been studying for maybe longer than us, and we come to the pastors and we say, what does this really mean? I'm not getting this yet. Well, I can't tell everybody, just keep showing up regardless of how you feel, because eventually God, the Holy Spirit, is going to reveal to you what it means. It's just, you're not yet there to understand it. That's what I tell people. And we'll see it clearly written here today why you may not understand it because the writer here to the Hebrews says to them, you have a dull of hearing and the hearing of the word of God. You have a dullness that you're not hearing it. And we're going to talk about that today as a believer that shows you're spiritually immature because of that dullness. The writer couldn't write to them these deep things about God because they couldn't handle it. And that's what we will see here in chapter 5, verse 11. Please follow along with me here. Of whom we have much to say. I have so much to tell you. I got so much to say to you. And hard to explain. Why? Since you have become dull of hearing. You've you've, you've become dull of hearing. But notice the word there, become. That means you used to be able to clearly hear the word and understand. And I could freely, as the Holy Spirit moved, could teach you the deep things of God. But because you're drifting, because you're not maturing, because you've allowed the cares of this world and the flesh to dominate you and, the, and distractions to keep you away from seeking after God, you have come dull of your hearing. There's nothing wrong with your ears. Oh, you hear it when you want to hear it. Oh, you, you, know, you, hear, the, you hear the chime and the food goes off. You, you, men, you don't have to be told it's dinner time because you heard the bell. You heard something that triggers you. Oh, the microwave went off. Something is, is up, to, up to fit. But as a Christian, the more you stay away from the Word of God, hearing the Word of God, reading the Word of God, you start doubting and allow doubts, the enemy to throw fiery darts in your mind like you really don't need to read the Word of God. These kinds of things... You're going to become dull of hearing. And when the Holy Spirit wants to really tell you something, because you've been asking, you've been praying because you're in a crisis, and you're not hearing from him, you feel like you don't hear from him, because your ears are probably dull. Remember, God's voice uh, in the Word of God speaks of a still, small, quiet voice. If you have checked your batteries, if something's wrong with your hearing aids, it's because they're dull, because you have drifted. You're not maturing. That's why you're not hearing. Nothing wrong with your ears. It's the heart, the writer's saying. Your heart is not right to receive the deeper things of God. That's what he's saying here. Oh, I have so much to tell you. As a child of God, he has, God, our Father has so much to tell you. But when you're just a baby, when you're just an infant, you cannot go into deeper things with your child. Are you with me? Fathers, you've tried that, haven't you? You tried to teach your one-year-old something. A 40-year-old still can't get it. 
You have to teach them appropriately to the age where they're at. And that's what the writer's saying. Your babes, as we will see here in verse of 12, it says right here, for though by this time you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. Because you're dull in your hearing. You're not wanting to hear the word of God and genuinely hear what he has for you. You're ignoring what he's trying to tell you through the word of God. You know how many people have told me, I was like, why aren't you coming back to church? He goes, I don't like being convicted. I don't, feel, I don't like feeling bad when I leave church. I want to feel excited and goosebumpy all over and, and just exuberance of, of joy. What you've described to me is a church experience called a soulish experience. It only ministered to your soul. It did not feed your spirit. My brothers and sisters, I want you to get not all goosebumpy, even though those are goosebumps are good, but it's just a soulish experience. You just had a, an emotional rise that doesn't feed your spirit and doesn't change you. You really want both. But most of all, you want your spirit fed so that the spirit is, you will help you to walk in the spirit in truth. Are you with me? It's so important you understand that because so many people chase after the soulish experience of church through worship and through other things and never get their spirit fed. And they're dry. And they're thirsty for the things of God. And their ears become dull. And you get to the point where you, you really don't want to, to hear the word of God. Because you, you'll have responses like this. And it's no big deal. I don't care what you say. I have my own perspective of things of God now. <laughs> None of you, of course, have said that to me. But others do. That, that's, a, that's not a good sign, because it really doesn't matter what I think. It only matters what God thinks. And when you have your own perspective that goes against the, what God thinks, you're always wrong. Always. Proverbs 28.9. I believe is many times why we do not hear our prayers being answered. Proverbs 28.9 says, One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, the word of God, even his prayer is an abomination. You want to know sometimes why you don't hear from God? It's because you have made a decision in your mind that you don't need to read the word of God. And if you do read the word of God, you question if the fact that it's from God and you question from God, then the enemy has you just backpedaling so fast and you're out of balance and so unstable, you have come dull in your hearing and you're not hearing the truths of God that he's been trying to get your attention. Some people say, well, God, you know, Pastor, why, isn't this why is this not happy? Why don't I hear? I said, did God tell you to do something a month ago, a year ago, a week ago? How about just today? Did he tell you to do something and you've refused to do it? 
Because if that's true, he's not going to tell you the next step because you haven't done the first step. You need to be obedient to what he's already showed you to do before he's going to take you down the path any further of showing you what he has for you. You're dulling your, your, your senses, and we'll talk about that at the very end in uh, verse 14. But let me encourage you. You were once there listening to the word of God, studying the word of God, so open to hearing the deeper things of God. If you become dull of hearing, let me encourage you, come back. 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Come back. You need to fight, man. you got to fight back and get back to your first love of Jesus. And just like a child just absorbing the word of God. If you've been around kids, you know. Why? 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 That, because you're eager to learn the things that you don't understand. They listen to every word you say, mom and dad. Even the ones you don't think they understand, your children understand. They're listening and watching your behavior. Go back to that. Why? Because you should ought to be teachers by now. You've been walking with the Lord that long. The writer says you should be teachers. You should be teaching other people the things I've taught you already. And you're not able to. Why? Because you're dull of hearing. You've left the first principles, all the basic Christian principles of understanding. Who Jesus is. The fact that he died on the cross for the sins of the world. That he was buried on the third day, resurrected, and he raised up in glory. And he intercedes for you from the right-hand side of the Father in the heavenly places. And you've left all of that belief. You haven't stopped believing what you have, but you just don't ponder on it. And you certainly don't turn around when you have dull ears and you're not living it. You will not tell other people of the truth. So the very first indication you're a spiritually immature right now is you're not reading the word of God and listening to the word of God. That doesn't speak to you because you're here today. But the second one is, you stop sharing the good news with other people. You won't tell them and teach them the things that God has taught you. That's why I encourage you. When you leave here, you sh- this doesn't end. I've checked the box and went to church. You should leave here, be talking about it in the car. What did you learn? What did you hear from the Lord? What did you? And then when you get home and there's someone who's, who you know is sick and couldn't come or was watching online, you should be talking about those things. What did you hear from the Lord? What is the Lord showing you today? How can I pray for you? And you should be in engaging with your children and teaching at the appropriate level the things they understand. And parents, please. Please, first, make sure your children tell you what they're learning. Let them share with you what they're learning. Because in the understanding of how we learn, we hear it, we see it, we do it, we teach it. When you get to that teaching phase, it really sinks in deeply into your heart and mind. And that's where you want it to be because you do not want the enemy to take what God has spoken to you about and him the birds just pluck it out, the seeds that were planted. 
It's so important. And that takes practice. And the writer's going to speak to that here as well. Because you're supposed to be mature by now. You're supposed to be teaching people, but you're not able to because you're dull of hearing. You've left and you've gone away from. You should go back now and learn your ABCs of Christianity. Go back to the basics, man. Let's go back in understanding. Let's go freshly go back to the Gospels and let's start fresh again. It's not too late for you to do that. And that's what he's saying here to the Hebrew believers. You've, you've, you've stopped talking about the fundamental truths that God has shown you. And that's the end, and the last part of B, uh, the verse 12. Uh, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So he's, the writer here is saying, you're dull of hearing. You've left all the foundational and the truths and the, of God here. You need to go back to the basics, which means you need to just partake of milk. That's what it means as a baby. You can only take milk. That's all the digestive system can handle. You should be an, you're an adult because we know in the Greek word here for babe is not speaking of, of a baby as in Physical age baby. Not the, not the right Greek word. And it's not speaking of a brand new believer because a brand new believer who just gave their life to Jesus is considered a babe in Christ. Uh, in Christ. They, those are wonderful, beautiful, celebrating, and there's many here today who are just gave their life to Jesus Christ. They just got baptized. They're just learning and growing. We celebrate that person who's in that stage right now. But this Greek word is talking about an adult who's mature, who has gone back to being and acting like a child. Like an immature infant. It is glorious to see someone who's a babe and you celebrate and it's like, oh, I'm so, so excited for you. Your journey's just starting. But for those who say, I've been walking to 5, 10, 15, 20 years as a Christian, and then you listen to them, they don't even know the word of God. That, that's grieving. That's very sad. It's very depressing for, for you, I know. Because you're so spiritually immature. But that's why you're here. That's why you're listening for those who are listening. Because you no longer want to be immature. You want to grow up to be a mature, godly woman and a godly man. Because that's what gives you the stability. That gives you the, 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 the grounding for this incredibly dark world that we live in. When chaos is crazy, you're not crazy. When there's tremendous confusion, you're not confused. When people are running into walls and bumping and back and hypocrisy going every which way and lying from the highest of levels of government, you are not. You clearly see what is going on. Because the Holy Spirit lives within you and gives you clarity. And you're walking in the spirit and truth. There's no, there's no question here. This is not our home, first of all. Heaven is our home. We're just temporary here. It's a vacation gone bad. That's what I call it.
But we see here, he says, you need milk. Let's get you back on the milk. It's, milk is a, the, is a term that's a Bible of spiritual food. If you're not reading the word of God, you're not taking the word of God, you're spiritually are starving yourself and you wonder why you're so depleted and so weak when it comes to spiritual things. And milk brings you back to those first principles that we talked about. And he says, you can't stay there. You must go to a point where you're looking to move them to solid foods. You need to start, that, that child of you inside of spiritual child needs to mature so you move away from the milk. Yes, you may always drink milk. Who doesn't like milk with a good brownie? I mean, you'll never get rid of that. I'm telling you, I assure you. But it cannot be your only diet drinking milk. You must, as you mature, you must start chewing on some meat. You need to start taking on solid foods because you're maturing or you're not going to grow. And when you start chewing on solid food and you start chewing on the meat, then you're going to start building that spiritual muscle and you're going to mature as a Christian. And when you become mature, you have the strength and abilities to do great things for God. Overcome things that are coming into your life. You'll be able to handle that spiritually in your life. But if you don't, you're going to continue to be spiritually immature. Peter says it in 1 Peter 2.2. As newborn babes... Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. It's a beginning. It's a starting point. Some people come and say, I want to give my life to Christ. And immediately they want to go into the theology of this and all these different. Dude, let's just get you to understand who Jesus is first, okay? <laughs> and let's just get you to understand you know, his death and, and burial and resurrection and, and how to grow and, and start getting some feet underneath you. You don't go evangelize the world when you just got saved today. You, there's, there's so many things that you need to grow in to get a, a, a firm foundation. But once you start studying the scripture, seriously, you start gaining the strength and the muscle, spiritual muscle, that will be allow you to develop and you mature in your faith, and you will learn to love solid food. I've had people come up many times who've come here over the 10 years and say, I just can't handle your teaching. Why is that? I, I can't handle 15, maybe 25 minutes. You, you go way too long. 25 minutes is way too much information. I can't handle it. I just usually ask the question, where, where's your background? Well, you know, once you learn their background, you realize they only get the sermonettes of 15 minutes. They can't, they're just getting milked their whole life. And I always encourage you, and if it speaks to you today, if you haven't been with us long enough, it may be overwhelming of information because... You're, what the scripture is talking about is the spiritual immaturity. You've been on milk. You haven't grown to, to be able to take on solid food yet. But this is what I can encourage you to do. Continue to show up regardless of how you feel. And eventually you're going to learn how to eat meat. <laughs> solid food. You're going to have substance that you can actually understand and apply to your life in the situations in your life you're dealing with. Because that's how the Holy Spirit works. 
I'm simply teaching the word simply from the word. So that you can digest it as much as you can. And you just keep coming back and he'll continue and eventually you'll find you can handle. As a matter of fact, it will be like, what? We're already done? you'll come back every Sunday because I can't wait to hear what happens next and you'll go home and read and study and you're going to be looking at references and and you'll have questions and now you know you're maturing. Now you know you're maturing. Those are great, great signs for you. when, When do you know when you're a babe? Spiritually immature. When you've been walking with the Lord, supposedly you've been a Christian, supposedly for... For years. Let me give you some indications here for you. First one is that a babe, when you become a babe, you were not a babe, you were mature, you were growing in your, your faith and understanding, but you you relaxed, you, you decided to have a become sluggish in your in your mature in your uh, spiritual walk, and you become sluggish, lazy, and you decided you want to go, ah, I got other busy things. You know how it is, it's really busy, you know, raising a family, and you know how work is, I got all these priorities, man. You, you understand. I hear you. But I'm dull to those excuses because I know what's happening in your life and I'm going to continue to encourage you. I understand that. I understand what it means to to raise a family and juggle work and priorities and stuff. I understand that. But God is going to, if you're doing what God's called you to do, he gives you the energy and equip you to do those things each day that he's called you to do it. But anyway, so when we come back here, what happens when you become a baby? Perhaps your Christian life is, is now unstable. It's one of the indications, right? Because babes um, are handed from person to person to person. You ever have a be around here in the church and someone has a baby? Oh, here, hold the baby. Okay, hold the baby. Hold the baby. Everyone passes the baby around. Guess what? If you become a babe, it's because possibly you're out there going from one person to listen to this person to listen to the world, and you're just going from person to person to person, like you're being handing off a baby from a different person, and it comes very unstable. Eventually, that child goes what? Mom <laughs> or dad? <laughs> Are you? Because they're feeling very unstable and unsure. Of what's happening in their life. It's Ephesians chapter 4 verses 14 through 16. Spiritual babes are those who are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That is someone who is spiritually immature. It could be, as another indication, if you're spiritually immature, it could be you become a babe because, perhaps because of a division in your Christian life. Babies each have their own crib. They have their own little spot, their own little space that they have. And spiritual babes have their particular denominations or churches or their only way a certain thing they will do for my church. It has to be a certain way, certain programs, certain this, certain way, certain music, certain teaching stuff. That is a sign of spiritual immaturity. Because you only want it the way you want it. Another way could be is that you become a baby because perhaps you are starstruck by Christian celebrities. The pastor with the biggest following or the biggest church 
with the biggest name, with the most books, bestseller. Babes are focused on one particular person, like their mother or their father. We see spiritual babes glory in men. I'm a Paul, I'm an apostle, or Apollos. We see that in 1 Corinthians 1.12. You're chasing a person that God's using versus chasing Jesus himself. That's a sign of spiritual immaturity. Or you can became a baby because perhaps you were spiritually asleep. <laughs> this is the most common. Babies sleep a lot. And spiritual immature people are sleeping a lot because they're lazy and they're sluggish. They just they really don't care as much. I don't, you know, I just do my thing. I don't want to learn and do anything for God. I got my own problems as it is. But that's a sign of becoming a babe. You've come back into a very spiritual sleep and you spend a lot of time spiritually sleeping. You don't want to be woken up to the things of what God's trying to teach you and take you to a deeper level. That's very uncomfortable for many because that requires change. And the last one here is become a babe. Perhaps you know babies. What are the top things when they're not getting what they want. They are very fussy. They're very fussy. They're cranky with others. And in spiritual immature people, they become like babies and they're always fussing over the littlest of things. That's an indication you're a babe. You need to grow and mature. You need to grow up. As I say to the men all the time, grow up. The whining is not becoming of you. A 20-year-old, 30-year-old, 60-year-old whiner is not good. But verse 14, he says, the writer says, but solid food belongs to those who are full age or mature. You're a, a grown-up. Start acting like it. Start doing hard things. Don't stop taking the easy path. You need to seek after God of the difficult things and do difficult things that God will call you to do as a mature Christian. He's not able to tell you about the deeper things. He's not going to ask you to do things that you're not able to handle because you're still a baby. You're still a whiny infant in the spiritual world. And you wonder why everyone else seems to growing up and doing great things and God's moving in your lives. Check your, check your heart. That's what the writer is saying to me. You need to get to solid food because it belongs to those of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Because as you mature, you'll be able to discern between good and evil. Right now, if you're a babe or a non-believer, you don't have the ability to discern between good and evil. You just go with whatever the group is, the, the masses are going. You're just... You're just, oh, this is the easy path, the wide road. I'll just go with the flow, man. It's much easier for me. Versus standing for truth. Our senses are exercised, the writer says here. It's trained by practice and habits. Creating new habits that are in line with the word of God. Getting rid and letting the old habits just drift away. Don't practice those at all. As a believer, you can't practice sin anymore. You can't. 
practice these things that go against God. You start practicing the things of God and you start having good habits toward what God does. And then that brings about a discernment between good and evil. And that's speaking mostly of doctrinally, not morally, but doctrinally understanding the truths. Our exercises, our senses are exercised when we use them by reason of use. That means you're using what you're learning. If you're only listening, you're just going to get really plump and round spiritually and sluggish. And you're going to be discontent. And then you think, okay, I don't like the church. we got to go find some new experience so you know, I don't feel so sluggish. It's only a matter of time you get to the next one. You're on your 10th church as it is. Did you realize it may not be the church? <laughs> or the fellowship? It's you. Because you're spiritually immature. You're just emotional. Like a child. Fussing. Not anymore. I know I'm not talking to you. I'm, I'm not talking to the choir. I'm, not, I'm talking to myself. I don't want to be fussy. I don't want to be immature in my way. I want to continue to grow in deeper things of God so that when I learn, I want to share those things with you. I want to, as I study the word, I want to share with them. I just want you to do the same thing. Keep sharing with those to your left, your right, especially with your families and close friends because you might be the only one that's willing to teach them. The only one. A spiritual immature person will listen to any preacher on a radio or television or read the latest books because it happens to be the bestseller. But they never, as a spiritually immature person, never understands that what they're teaching goes against the Word of God. And I, oh, that... You know me. If you've been around me long enough, that you want to irk me a little bit? <laughs> Get me going? Tell me you're reading someone who is a false teacher, and I've warned you multiple Sundays that's a false teacher, and you still, I really like her. Everyone like, oh, please. Please, don't share their books, those false teaching books with other ladies. Please don't do it. If you have any question, just ask. We're happy to tell you if it's in line with the scripture or not. We don't like that spreading around. And we don't have that problem here. And I'm thankful. Because all you mature women and men, that doesn't happen here because you already know the word of God. And that's, I'm so, as a pastor, I'm very blessed. I don't worry about those kinds of things. But if you're fresh coming in and you don't know the word and you're spiritually mature and you think you are, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to the point here. Let's, let's wrap this baby up here. Whoo, get me started here. But let's end here with the senses. Do you know you have five senses? Do you know that? For you to function as a human being, it's ideal that God gave you five senses. Now, you may have had a trauma and some issues where you've lost one of those senses. Maybe you can't hear. Maybe you can't see. Maybe you can't feel as well. Whatever it may be, but you were created with five senses, more than likely. That's how he designed, right? That lines up spiritually as well. Did you know that? Let me give you those for those who are taking notes. We have a spiritual sense of taste. We see in Psalm, uh, 1, 1 Peter 2, 3, it says, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, or taste and see that the Lord is good, Psalm 34, 8. 
How about the hearing? Hear and your soul shall live, Isaiah 55, 3. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, Revelation 2, 7. How about sight? Open my eyes that I may see the wondrous things from your law, Psalm 119, 18. Or the eyes of your understanding, your heart, being enlightened. Ephesians 1.18. How about smell? We see it in Philippians 4.18. I am full, having received from you a sweet-smelling aroma. I, I always, when you're worshiping, it's like a sweet-smelling aroma to God. Pleasing to our Heavenly Father. How about touch or feeling? Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord. 2 Kings 22.19 Or the one I like is Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 verses 18 and 19. The hardening of your heart who being past feeling have given themselves over to licentiousness. It speaks to the touch, the feeling of how things can go so seriously wrong when you no longer feel the touch of God. When you don't feel the touch of God as you study the Word of God, if you don't feel the knocking on the heart, you don't feel the prick of the conviction as you hear the Word of God, these are bad things because it's only a matter of time. You will drift. It's only a matter of time your heart will be hardened. It's only a matter of time your ears will be so dull you cannot hear the things that God wants to tell you. And the number one thing is he's trying to tell you you are loved. God loves you. And he wants you and all and be in your right senses, <laughs> all senses, seeking after God with all your heart, your mind, and soul. May we today, going forward, be like 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God, or the word of truth. We will continue in chapter 6, Lord willing, next week, as the writer to the Hebrew believers continues to help them ground them before they take them in chapter 7, the deeper things about Melchizedek.